Ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK. Well, 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 good afternoon, Northeastern Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Beer Geeks and WILK News Radio. Yeah, sitting here drinking some beers, having some laughs and chuckles and stuff. And it's yeah, a good day so far. Yeah, not too shabby. Yeah, um, not yeah. a bad Sunday. Yeah, small little crew today, just me and Brad, uh, uh, the uh, comparable meat smoke. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, always, <laughs> baby. You know I love you. Um, yeah, we're gonna be doing. Uh, we're gonna be talking a little bit of uh, beer with uh, Vault Brewing. Uh, Mark Thomas, uh, Vault Brewing down there in Yardley, PA, just kind of semi close to Philly. Uh, you ever been down there, Brad? I haven't. I've been in the area, um, but. This is actually, we're drinking what right now, the Pie IPA. Pie IPA, yeah. Um, first thing I had, Ryan, I'm really impressed. Like yeah. It. I was there a while ago, and it's one of the reasons why I actually decided to, um, you know, reach out to them, have them on the show, and, uh, you know, they threw us a, a couple, few growlers of beers. Um, they, uh, we have a base IPA, um, uh, like I said, Pie IPA, I guess you would call it. It was their 314th release. That's why they call it Pie IPA. And then we have a Nugget Stout. I'm really excited to dive into that one. I think it was uh, actually um, Nitroed, but I mean, at this point in the growler, you know what I mean? It's not going to yeah, be there. Uh, but Formerly Nitroed. Yeah. And then we have a Whole Cone Hop New Zealand IPA. It's going to be their uh, actual can release. They're going to be doing about <coughs> two weeks. So we'll be talking to him about a bunch of his beers and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. Beautiful Sunday, man. Hot, sweaty. A-Rod just retired. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, that's, he, he was crying. Yeah, I, I wasn't. <laughs> he was crying on the radio. Um, you weren't? Really? I thought you shed a tear for A-Rod. No, not really. I'm not big into baseball. I actually like when they're on HGH and they hit like six foot, <laughs> 600 foot home runs. Like, I want to see that. Yeah, you're preaching to choir, man. I'm with you. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, let's get in a little bit of beer news. Uh, piece of news that, that's been floating around for the past week or so. If anybody out there who's listening to this radio show is into beer, if you're listening, then chances are you're into beer. Um, your friends have probably posted on your Facebook wall that <laughs> the uh, Smithsonian is hiring a, as they put it, a craft beer historian uh, for what is it, a two year gig, and they're paying like uh, almost seventy k. Three year, sixty five thousand, I believe, and it's um, to basically come up with the history of brewing in the United States. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, it's a cushy gig. You know what I mean? They are accepting uh, re- resumes and CVs up until the 10th. So anybody out there wants to get paid a, a decent amount of money basically to travel around and uh, document. Yeah, 65 in D.C. is like $10 an hour. <laughs> True. But at the same time, I wouldn't imagine you'd be there that often. They'd probably be sending you out and about here and there kind of, you know. Yeah, I mean, that definitely seems like a job that's like the most connections in the world that you can get. Yeah. So it's definitely something. I mean, they're definitely looking for uh, more written word journalists. I think they want you to have at least some kind of a journalistic background or something like that. But, hey, it doesn't hurt to to submit a resume anyway. Yeah, throw the hat in the ring. Yeah, see what happens. So, yeah, that's probably the coolest piece of beer news going on. Pretty slow week as far as beer stuff goes. Uh, One of the other cool things, though, uh, is that Sierra Nevada uh, created a uh, pale ale with a uh, 630-year-old Bavarian craft brewery uh, called Regal. Uh, It's an American pale ale. Um, I assume they brewed it over there and are releasing it in the German and uh, various European markets and stuff like that. And that's kind of cool to see. Um, such, I wouldn't say a newer brewery, but in the grand scheme of things, only 630 years old versus, what, 30 years old? Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I, I like that. that. There's been some collaborations like this in the past. I want to say, what was it, uh, Green Flash and St. Uh, Vivian or Vivant or whatever, like, did one. <clears throat> I like kind of like the old school and, and then the American style, like, collaborations. Well, it's also cool because um, I think because they actually get to taste what American pale ales really should taste like, I guess you would say. A lot of the beer that we get here from Belgium is built to last. It's built to be aged, if not a couple months to maybe even a couple years. So when you get like a Belgian dark over here, sometimes that time it takes to get here is a good thing. And it lets it kind of round out and mature and stuff like that. But when you're talking about, you know, your American pale ale, stuff like that, you kind of want to have them fresher rather than later. And um, by the time you were to make it here, package it, send it, get it over there and distribute it, you know, it's going to be a while. So for them to actually have it that fresh is pretty cool. Yeah. And on that same note, then you have your favorite brewery, Stone, um, <laughs> that they just produced their first batch out of their Berlin brewery. Yeah, that was the next thing I was going to talk about. That's that's kind of cool that they finally got that up and running. Because that was, what, at, at least two years ago, it was kind of, there's that, yeah, okay. Like two, two or three years ago that it was in the works. Yeah, to, to, to see them actually producing some beer out of there is uh, pretty cool. So um, Jim Koch over there uh, floating around uh, making some beers, making some stone beers. And it's it's in Amsterdam or is it Berlin? I think it's Berlin. Berlin. Yeah, it is Berlin. Um, but yeah, that'd be kind of weird. I don't know if it would be weird. Imagine going from California all the way over there and then sitting down and just drinking stone. I mean, it'd kind of be kind of funny. Um, one of my one buddy was over in Amsterdam. He was over there and he, and he had a wirebacker. You know, it was just kind of like weird to drink yeah. that beer halfway across the world. Yeah, especially the. I mean, stone. You kind of get it with how big they are. Or Sierra Nevada. Like these are the guys that are started it. So like, yeah, if you're in Amsterdam and you pull out like. A wirebacher from Easton, PA, kind of, kind of trippy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. Um, let's see. Uh, other than that, I mean, beer release wise, um, Cushy Clouds. That's pretty much it. The only other kind of big or, or semi-local release going on today. Soul Brewing, Joe Perpococo. We had him on a couple weeks ago. If you want to check out the old show on iTunes, um, he's doing um, his Cushy Clouds release a week after his uh, Double Juice Box, which is a pretty big deal. Definitely yeah. smell of rich mahogany, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> he also has cases of the Muir left, which I was really impressed with. Like, um, I think I put a post up about it. It was, you know, you see all these breweries going, like, big and bold and all these flavors. And then to see somebody do something that's, like, 5.1% scaled back and just had a nice flavor from the dry hop and easy drinking. Yeah, no, that was super crushable beer. It's right up my alley. You're leaning Belgian on that one, but you bring a little bit of the Americanized style with the kind of hot profiles, excuse me, that he was throwing in there. And, uh, yeah, that in itself. And Cushy Clouds, like we were talking about it off the air before we actually went on. You know, you're going to go golfing today, and you're kind of thinking of a beer that you'd like to tag along and uh, kind of crush on for, uh, you know, 18 holes. That is about cash money as you're going to get. Yeah, I um, actually just had them yesterday from the first batch. It was, I think, May 23rd was on the bottom so it still held up really well the oatmeal you, yeah you're losing a little bit of the punch from the from you know the hops but it definitely was it was a nice crushable beer and i think the heat index yesterday was like 100 so <laughs> yeah and that, well that's when you need beer you gotta stay hydrated baby yeah you gotta get that beer up in you um so yeah that's pretty much it for the news thing uh, pretty slow week um but yeah like i said we just cracked into uh, vault brewing's pie ipa 
Really nice beer. Super drinkable when we're talking about crushable stuff. This comes in at a whopping 6%, so it's definitely a sessioner, borderline sessioner, I guess you would say. You'd probably want to be more around the 4% range, but you get a nice um, kind of like not super... Um, citrusy, more kind of like an herbally earthy kind of hot profile off it, but it's backed up with a decent kind of malt backbone to the point where, you, you know, it's something that's going to deliver enough flavor that you actually want um, to taste your beer, but at the same time, it's crushable enough to hear you can drink uh, 70 or 80 of these. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like, I'm looking at your glass here, it's definitely like a, a darker golden color. You could tell there's a nice malt profile on it. And I said, yeah, it just definitely holds up. It's not over the top citrus, it's not over the top piney. It's a nice little earthy like flavor to it, a little sweetness. Yeah, and a super interesting place. Like, I, I can't wait to get into it because, uh, I mean, it's called Vault Brewing because it's actually in an old bank. I am actually a, a like, I'm kind of a junkie when it comes to, like, putting new school stuff in old banks. I don't know, something about vaults. I don't like, know if I've like watched the, the too mint. many. The what? The mint down in Bethlehem. Yeah, the mint down in Bethlehem, the vault down there. I don't know if it's, uh, I have this weird kind of obsession. It's like an Ocean's Eleven kind of thing going on in my brain. I don't know what's going Sc- on. But Scrooge McDuck in the past. <laughs> Yeah, nah, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, anytime, anytime, anything's in a bank. I don't know. It's kind of tickles my fancy, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going golfing today. Um, what are you bringing with you, beer wise? What do you have going on? I, th- I think it's just going to be the cushy clouds, man. That's it. Yeah. Um, I still have some of my flasks left over from yesterday's with uh, some Wagavulin 16 double uh, maturation and some Glen Grant 15 uh, year old signature series. Well, see, that's mine. That's 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 what I'm talking about. That Islay stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pete Moss and band aids. Yeah, but I mean, like the double maturation one's really nice. The the sherry cask on the second aging of it really like it cuts the smoke. And lets it go like a little smooth finish. No, it doesn't sound like it sucks that badly. But <laughs> alas, we are a beer show. We are not a scotch show. Um, but let's do this. Let's uh, let's cut the break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit of Vault Brewing with Mark Thomas um, from Vault Brewing. They're in redundancy. So join us in a few after these commercial breaks here on WIL Karen and Beer Geeks. Warning. If you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-900-2871. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-900-2871. That's 1-800-900-2871. 1-800-900-2871. Today's GetMyPerks.com deal of the day has you swinging through the branches. Enjoy the four-hour treetop adventure course at Skytop Lodge for half price. Go on the weekend for just $25 or check out the additional savings for weekdays. The four-hour treetop adventure course has elevated bridgeways from one tree platform to the next, logs hanging from ropes to walk across, ladders, a cargo net, and a total of 16 different zip lines. Plus, Skytop Lodge features 5,500 acres of adventure and serenity. And still available at GetMyPerks.com. Get one Pocono Wine Trail tasting pass for just $20. Built for business. Waiting. No one enjoys it. With Comcast Business, you can do less of it. 
Because Comcast Business Internet is up to five times faster than DSL from the phone company, which means less waiting for things like security backups and file downloads. Plus, it's a better value when you select the fastest plan. So do what nearly a thousand businesses do every day and choose Comcast Business. Unless you'd prefer to wait. Switch to Comcast Business Internet. Then add one voice line and TV for just $34.90 a month for two years. And ask about their low price guarantee. Call 800-501-6000. Or visit ComcastBusiness.com. That's 800-501-6000. Comcast Business. Built for business. Offer NC 3116. Restrictions apply. Equipment, taxes, and fees, including broadcast TV fee extra. Compares Comcast 100 megabits per second and 20 megabits per second DSL downloads. Colbert and Grievous, your experienced local choice for elder law. I'm Kevin from Colbert and Grievous. We use proven estate planning methods such as powers of attorney, wills, and specialized trusts to meet our clients' goals and to protect their assets from future nursing home costs. We want to give you the relief that comes with knowing that your assets are protected during your lifetime and for the future of your children and grandchildren. Colbert and Grievous are hosting a free community seminar to protect your home and life savings Tuesday, August 9th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at Kistler Learning Center at Geisinger, Wyoming Valley, East Mountain Boulevard. Call 570-299-7909. There are few things more detrimental to a modern business than data loss. Floods, fires, lightning strikes, and hard drive failures are just some of the things that can potentially destroy months or years worth of digital data. In such catastrophic situations, it is not uncommon for a business to suffer severe financial losses in order to recover. There is good news. Top Business Solutions can prevent these scenarios from happening to your company. Top Business Solutions will manage and back up your critical information and office systems efficiently and cost-effectively. With Top's complete and secure protection for workstations and servers, applications and files, we can get you restored and running within minutes. Call Top today at 800-982-4021 or visit our website, topcopy.com, for your free, no-obligation data analysis. Keep your business running smoothly with Top Business Solutions. Sundays can't be a bad thing when 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 you lead into a segment of a radio show with uh, Werewolves of London, man. Yeah, I mean, I every time I hear the song though, now it's it's just Tom Cruise and in uh, Color and Money. And no, just yeah, like, his hair was perfect. Man, man. <laughs> speaking of perfect hair, well, let's uh, say hi to Mark Thomas from uh, Vol Brewing. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? And, thanks oh, for having me on, guys. Absolutely, well, man. Thanks Thank for being you. on, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for meeting me yesterday. Um, we, uh, I went and met uh, Mark to pick up the growlers, and we kind of s- s- parked next to each other for about maybe 10 minutes, not knowing who's a who. <laughs> kind of like it was like yeah. a side drug deal going down in the, in the, in the banks of the Delaware. <laughs> yeah, it was a little awkward, but yeah. I think we worked it out. Oh, yeah, we worked it out. Uh, so what's going on, man? Vault Brewing. Uh, Let's start from there. Uh, when did you come into the picture? Because you're not the owner, you're a head brewer, correct? Correct, yep. Um, it's, it's owned by a family, the Kane family. Uh, James and John are kind of the, the owners as well as their father, Jim Kane. Um, so I had been a, a brewer for a while, a home brewer, and I met the, uh, James through his wife, Anna, and my wife, Betsy. Uh, they worked together. Um, brought some homebrew over to their their party, talk some homebrew, 
a couple months later, um, they had gone to Australia um, where their family was living, um, met uh, a brewery over there, Mornington Brewery, um, that you know, they were uh, worked in business, left and opened a brewery in Australia, and they wanted to do the same thing. So they kind of came to me after that, um, knowing that I had been brewing, and kind of we kind of created this all together with me kind of leading the whole brewing operation. Now you said you you know you're just a home brewing at the time. I mean I, I think everybody who home brews at some you know level dreams of actually working in a brewery and making that their living. When you were approached and you were doing it, was that even like a blip on your radar? Were you actually actively trying to get a job in the industry? It was more like okay, I would like to do that, and then was presented with this opportunity. Um, I was definitely working towards I thought creating my own place. So I'd been brewing for probably 10 years, and when I met the Canes, uh, we were brewing it maybe once, twice a month, kind of had a crew. So uh, a couple of us would brew. I had a guy that worked in a yeast lab that would grow up yeast for us. Um, I had a a three-tap kegerator at my friend's house. We would throw parties for fundraising efforts. So we were definitely making moves to open a place. Now we didn't have any money or business acumen, but we were concentrating on the beer um, and trying to kind of nail down recipes, um, work with as much volume as I can. We were kind of doing 10, 15 gallon batches a couple times a month. Okay. So it was an easy, it was kind of an easy transition. Um, I mean, the scale was the biggest problem. So, um, but we were, you know, we were brewing beer and uh, donating it to uh, customers and getting their feedback. So we kind of had a little bit of an operation of our own. Okay. Um, and, and and so 2013, correct, is when uh, when Vault started? 2012. We actually okay. opened on 10, 11, 12. Oh, nice. I love the symmetry. Um, so you opened in 2012, and from there, like, what was the size of the brewery when you initially started? Because I know you guys are just getting the point of expanding. Yep, so um, all our tanks have remained the same in the last almost four years. Um, we bought a 10-barrel system uh, with two fermenters and four bright tanks. Uh, we soon learned that we weren't going to get 10 barrels out of that. We'd probably get about eight and a half. And um, our initial estimates had us selling around 400, 450 barrels a year, and we kind of blew those numbers away right out the gate. So. Our first year, I think we, in our first 12 months, I think we sold somewhere around 650 barrels. So we had to adapt very quickly um, with minimal space. Um, We're in a a 100-year-old bank, so there's no room to grow. I mean, we have four-foot stone walls on either side of us. So we kind of had to work with um, our system and our space. So we do, we have two fermenters and we put out, we're going to put out 95 brews out of those two fermenters this year. So... Um, we kind of don't have room for error as far as fermentation. Um, so this year I think we'll do about 800 barrels and then, uh, we are working on, uh, another production facility, um, that hopefully we'll have open in the next couple months. How far away from the, from the brew pub is the, uh, is the facility going to be? Uh, it's about two, three blocks. Oh, so it's real close. Oh, nice. Um, we walk down there to like a seven minute walk, but we're going to, since it is so close, we're going to try to utilize that space to kind of store ingredients. Um, we got uh, a really nice mill. We're hoping to mill for both locations uh, in one location. 
um, we kind of have a Frankenbrew type setup at the brew pub where uh, we just kind of repurposed a lot of stuff, used a lot of uh, large homebrew type equipment for certain aspects, especially our mill. So having some professional grade equipment to replace that is going to be we're really looking forward to that. And what are you gonna are you gonna do the atypical route and like kind of uh, the brew pub kind of keep that going, but maybe get a little bit crazy there and do kind of weird one offy stuff, and then make more of your core lineup stuff at the newer place. Um, yes, um, <laughs> we kind of do one off a lot at the brew pub already. Um, I'm gonna kind of view it as just kind of brew house A and brew house B. Um, some of our beers sell a lot faster than other beers. Um, but we definitely kind of hold strong to a lot of our styles that we enjoy that might not be sexy right now. It's like um, alt beer or British bitters or Dunkelweizen, um, Kolsch, um, beers that we enjoy that aren't flying off the shelves. So we're going to focus on you know, kind of doing those at the brew pub as well. So, you know, sometimes they might go out to distribution, but we don't want to do a full 40 barrel batch or something like that. So, um, and have it sit around. So we're going to kind of, you know, brew, we're going to kind of figure it out. Uh, basically we're really experimental and, um, I'm really into the operational side of it of, you know, making sure beer is fresh, beer is not sitting. Um, and then we're always kind of tweaking our recipes, um, brewing different recipes and really looking for that, uh, that feedback from our customers to know, you know, as the seasons change, we don't want, you know, we don't want our sweet potato beer sitting around in, in winter or spring. So we definitely keep an ear to the ground in our sales on making sure we make just enough of those kind of beers. Now you've been in production, you said 10, 11, 12, so you're going on four years now. What are some yep. of the biggest growing pains that you've had, you know, from, conception till now um we we had a solid business plan open it up so uh, i like to equate it as we we kind of built it and they came and um just because of our area there was nothing like what we've built um so we had a lot of help just from what we designed to be successful going in um and we kind of built it with a little bit of growth so when we were um, successful, you know, we had that room. One of my favorite quotes is like a lot of times people build businesses so they don't, so they don't fail as opposed to building it. So they do succeed and grow. Um, now we've reached the end of that very quickly, quicker than we thought. Um, good, good, good problem. From, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's another good problem is sometimes you want to make a little less than the market wants. So we're in a good position where we can't make enough beer and that helps, helps us. You know, we're, our restaurant is really busy on Friday and Saturday night and there's no table. So when you walk in restaurants bumping and there's a 45 minute wait, you're like, wow, these guys must be doing something good. Now we, we back that up, but you know, you, you, it's like just enough that the market wants more basically. Um, but I think the gro- biggest growing pain for me in my role is just been satisfying kind of all the beer demands that we want to do um, with, with no room to grow and, and no, you know, additional equipment to make beer. So um, I kind of have a role that I have to say no a lot. <laughs> so when we do these cannings, um, you know, that that's beer that's not going to go to tap. So I have to kind of fit them in. Um, we want to do bottlings. Uh, we want to send beer out to accounts. So um, that's kind of the most difficult is when 
there's all this beer demands and you grow as a business, but you can't make more. So that's kind of been the juggling act of um, keeping up beer on tap because that's where we make our money, basically. Now, with with you talking about the canning and the bottling and distribution end of it, yeah, I know you guys are just slightly outside of Philadelphia. Philadelphia being probably one of the most brutal, like beer, like markets in, in America, with what's going on in that scene. Do you find it helps you guys that you're far enough away that you kind of have your own little bubble, or do you find it difficult that you're you're so close to them? and like providing beer for Philadelphia or just the competition in the area? Um, It goes a little bit of both ways. Um, When we started, the Philadelphia beer scene wasn't very local, so to say. You know, um, even now, there's not a ton of breweries in the city proper. Um, That's expanding, but um, we've, it's advantageous to us because in our market, we're kind of, especially in Yardley, we're the big fish in town. So um, people come there not even for beer, but just for restaurant and food. So that keeps our business um, successful. Um, as far as the beer itself, we kind of get a little bit of both ways where, you know, we have a bunch of regulars um, that are local, love our beer. And when these kind of releases, people come from the city greater um, for our beer. Um, but it also has kind of a double-edged sword is because um, people from Philadelphia, even though we're from the area, they have other breweries that are even kind of localer. So um, as we go into production, uh, we're going to kind of focus on, on Philadelphia and kind of make um, that kind of our home base. And um, the plan is to have customers kind of identify with us as a Philadelphia brewery because now we're a little far out. I mean, it's, only 45 minutes from the city, but when you live in the city, that's a long drive, <laughs> uh, especially when 95 is a nightmare. So. Uh, which is all the time, every day in the yep. history of the world. Anyway, uh, uh, talking about releases, we just cracked into your New Zealand IPA. Now, this is going to be your next release. This is uh, not this Sunday. Well, two weeks today you're releasing, correct? Or yep. is it 12 o'clock. Okay. Now, let's talk about this, because uh, you sent me, you know, you obviously sent some of this beer up here, but you gave me some of the stats on it. And the one thing I'm curious about, um, besides the hop profile, which is in all New Zealand, which is awesome, my kind of hops, is that you went whole cone on this. Um, what kind of, uh, why did you do that to yourself? <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, the flavors are great, but it's like working with a whole cone hops can be a little bit of a nightmare sometimes. So we're actually a whole cone. We only use whole cone. Oh, okay. So we have never used pellet in any of our beer. Um, I'm a masochist, I guess, when it comes to it. <laughs> yeah, as you I was gonna might say. Suggested. Um, so it was a decision that we made in the beginning. Um, I've always used whole cone in brewing, and I wanted to see if I can make it work on the com- commercial scale, and now we're four years later. Um, so it's definitely harder to work with. These ones in particular, um, Victory actually sold us these hops because um, there were hops they weren't going to be able to use. So um, one of the advantages of us being small is we can kind of make up a recipe, um, put it out to production, whereas in Victory, you know, that's got to go through a bunch of channels to kind of, you know, if you want to use a new hop, I mean, that's probably, I can't only imagine how how much, you know, how many layers of management you have to go through to kind of make that happen in the packaging. So, you know, these are hops that they weren't going to use. So, um they kind of sold them to us. Um, but it is definitely kind of makes us unique. 
Um, there's a lot. Of, there's other breweries doing it. Sierra Nevada still all whole leaf. Mm-hmm. The shoots is all is whole leaf. Victory is mostly whole leaf, um, but it um, to me it's maybe somewhat idealistic. Um, but I feel like in a vacuum, I can make the best beer using whole leaf. Now the world isn't a vacuum, and that's the difficulties with with using it. But I feel like at the end of the day, if I can account for all the operational issues with using whole leaf, I will enjoy a whole leaf beer better. So my, my, what I've taken on for myself is trying to use them and remove those operational constraints. No, fair enough. And, and man, it's it's romantic as hell. So I mean, you know what Definitely. I mean. From from that point uh, point, it's just a uh, you know what I mean. That's how beer is. That's what you think of. No one thinks of pellets when they think of hops. They think of actual hops themselves. Now, yep. do you um, do you is I'm curious about. You hear a lot of people have problems procuring hops, and most of the time it is kind of hop pellets and stuff like that. Is the market in the whole leaf uh, realm the same as it is in a pellet? Is it uh, equally as hard to procure some hops, or is it less, or somewhere in between? Like, uh, is it is the or is it the same exact thing? So um, you're right. Securing hops is nuts. Like I I have a to do list item I've the last two months to do contracts for 2018 and 2019. So those 2019 hops, I won't get into until 2020. And like, will we all be here by then? Like, I don't even know. So like, I got to spend, I got to figure out what beers I'm going to brew in 2020, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, If you get them beforehand, it's kind of the same. So um, the, um, if you, if I'm contracting for say 2017, 2018, our suppliers don't really care if it's holy for pellet. Now, holy, there's, you know, there's, they take up more room. So our suppliers kind of want to start phasing it out. Um, and then also there's the aspect of, I, I like to get them just right from the farm, which cuts out our hop suppliers. So, you know, they come from the farm, they package them up, and then the, the suppliers kind of hold them for us until we can take them. They, the supplier, you know, they put value into these by, pelletizing them, packaging them. So we're kind of cutting out our suppliers somewhat by going whole leaf. Um, now, the one that comes in is on the spot market. So before, if you don't have contracted and you're trying to buy hops in between the harvests, um, whole leaf are scarce. So, um, you know, mostly um, any hops that come in that aren't contracted, they'll just pelletize them all um, because they store, they store better, they're smaller, um, so that doesn't leave a lot of whole leaf left on the, on the spot market. Um, but there's still a lot of breweries using them. Um, and then when, you know, we've kind of tried to make friends with a lot of the other breweries that are using whole leaf. So, you know, for example, when Victory couldn't use these, you know, they, they would sell it to us and vice versa. Like Matt said, we just cracked open the, the New Zealand IPA. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about this? Because right now I'm reading the tag and it says 7% and I'm drinking it and it's roofy in a glass because <laughs> this does not drink like a 7% IPA. Very smooth, really flavorful. Uh, you want to break it down for us, like what you, what you use, how you made it? Sure. Um, I really like, one of my gifts is hiding alcohol in beer. <laughs> so when I try to design a beer... Um, I want it to be as drinkable as possible. So, you know, I want you to drink that first one. Flavor kind of hits you by the end of the glass and you want another one. Just, I don't, 
I don't like to try to design beers where you won't want and you're just like, I don't, you know, that was good, but I don't think I can drink another one. Um, so it's kind of how I approach um, a lot of our beers and especially our, our IPAs. Um, I like balance. I want it to be hot flavorful as opposed to chewing your face bitterness. Um, so this comes in around 7%. It's mostly Pilsner malt, uh, some pale malts on the back end just for flavor. Um, and then most of the hop charge is kind of near the end of the kettle and then a bunch of dry hopping. So we use all whole leaf and we do, we have a torpedo like Sierra Nevada's torpedo where we uh, stuff a hop back, pressurized hop back full of whole leaf hops. And then we recirculate during uh, dry hopping for a number of days to kind of keep pushing beer through the whole leaf hops and to absorb all that hop aroma. So this is, that beer I sent you is really fresh. We're not going to can that for another week and a half. Um, so it'll give it time to condition, hopefully get a little clearer. Um, but that was, that growler is kind of the first pour off the tank. So, um, you know, you get a lot of, get a lot of interesting hop flavors when it's this fresh, you know, the, the oils kind of stick to your mouth a little bit as well. Yeah. Kind of smells exactly like you're opening a fresh bag of hops as well. Um, so it, it's in its young stage. Um, it'll kind of, change a little bit in the tank in the next week and a half but this is kind of the the freshest that this beer will be it does not suck for us um <laughs> yeah well let's speak to that because you mentioned a couple things that i wanted to touch on one was um what we talked about with the whole leaf uh working with that and then two you're like okay i want this kind of condition a little bit and and kind of have it drop out a little bit to where you know lose a little bit of haze you know you're talking about a world where everybody pretty much just you know their nipples get hard off off of super crazy hot profiles with the butternut squash um, wheat flowered hazy beers to live in a world that you're in which is whole cone hop and you're trying to make a beer taste good and not look good what's it like to exist in that world do you have people actually clamoring for you to like make these new school soup du jour kind of beers um it helps me a lot um i like clear beers i like flavorful beers so regardless of what it looks like if it tastes good you know that's what i'm more concerned about but my kind of lizard brain tells me if a beer is murky i probably shouldn't drink it it's like you you know you you kind of harken back to this you know yeah. prehistory where you go to a lake and if it's murky you don't want to drink that yeah. so i think there's something about that in my brain um i want to make clear beers but it's 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 difficult you know there's a lot going on especially because we don't filter anything and we don't have uh post kettle fin uh, findings as well so um all our beer is like you mentioned earlier romanticized we want to make it the hard way um, using the ingredients. So um, the fact that hazy beers has kept caught on has helped me, especially when some beers are hazy from a perspective that I didn't want it to be hazy. So, you know, that, that's been a plus for my brewing um, when people kind of desire that um, because it comes out of the process. You know, a lot of that is when you overly hop it, you're adding a bunch of polyphenols, which can cause haze. So, you know, the more hops you throw in there, the more chance of haze there is. Um, but then filtering is one of the things that um, me as a, myself as a brewer, you know, I'm, I'm more not filtering than whole leaf. I'd go to pellets before I went to filtering. Um, so um, we're, I try to cold condition our beers. Well, I can't do it at the brew pub because we have no time, but in our new production space, 
you know, I'm, I'm factoring in a week of cold conditioning time to give it that kind of shelf life. You know, it's great to have fresh beers right from the source, right from the can, but we all know that, you know, you, as you grow that, you know, sometimes you forget about some beers in the fridge. Sometimes to get from point A to point B, some beers need to get warm. So shelf life is going to be a concern when we go to uh, kind of production. Good stuff, man. Well, we, like I said, we cracked into the, the pie IPA. It was delicious. We got into the New Zealand one now. We're going to crack into the um, the Nugget Stout um, after we get the commercial. But, uh, yeah, man, good stuff. We really enjoy that you uh, got got connected with us here. Unfortunately, our time is up. Before we go, though, no plug some stuff. Tell How do people find you? Where do they go? What, what are you guys doing? So uh, we're in Yardley, Pennsylvania. We're right off 95. If you're going to and from anywhere on the 95 corridor, uh, you can go to our website, vaultbrewing.com. Um, for all our release type information, check us out on uh, Facebook and Instagram. We're always posting about new beers, releases, upcoming events. Um, come, we have pizza. We, uh, we have a great pizza oven. We have a great kitchen. So um, we're a great place to come and eat food uh, in the great town of Yardley. So, and we'll be expanding soon in the next couple months. So you'll be seeing more can releases, bottle releases, and a ton more kegs in the, you know, tri greater tri-state area as we grow. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark. Yeah, thanks for being on, Mark. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Take, day, man. take care, man. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, good stuff, man. Good interview. Energetic yeah. guy. He definitely loves what he's doing, making good beers. So let's do this. Let's cut the break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more beer here on the Beer Geeks in WLK. This year, the Bloomsburg Fair brings you Jake Owen, Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, the band Perry, Lee Bryce, and more of the best entertainment on the East Coast. Come for the Paint and Pony Rodeo, comedian Paul Zerden, Christian pop duo for King and Country, a figure eight race, and a demolition derby. The largest agricultural fair in PA is finally back, and so is the entertainment. The 161st Bloomsburg Fair, September 24th through October 1st. Tickets are on sale now by calling 570-387-4145 and at bloomsburgfair.com. Light up the night at the 161st Bloomsburg Fair's Toyota Grandstand. Tickets are now on sale for Christian Pop Duo for King and Country with Jordan Feliz and Lauren Daigle. The legendary Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Jake Owen with Old Dominion. Lee Bryce, the award-winning The Band Perry and America's Got Talent Season 10 winner Ventriloquist Paul Zerden. Also, the Painted Pony Rodeo, the Double Figure 8 Race with Rolo, the Full Pole, Tractor and Truck Pole, and the annual Demolition Derby. Tickets at 570-387-4145 and BloomsburgFair.com. Hi, this is Terry Crews, actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all-around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. That's DIPLOMA to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Who can we turn to? To watch over our food supply. To safeguard our bank deposits. To protect our water and the air we breathe. Who can we turn to? 
to monitor drugs for safety. To defend our borders, federal employees provide vital services to defend our national security, support our economy, and improve our health. Federal employees, they work for us. Go to theyworkforus.org. It's time for the Bloomsburg Nationals. Three days of family fun at the Bloomsburg Fairgrounds. August 12th, 13th, and 14th. Family-friendly entertainment. Hundreds of show vehicles. All makes and models. Swap meet. Car corral. And the skill competition. Flames are us. Friday night at 945. Plus Main Street will be blocked off on Thursday night for downtown gridlock action. Stay in town with on-site camping. RVs and tents are welcome. Three days of full throttle engine revving. Tire squealing fun. The Bloomsburg Nationals. August 12th through the 14th at the Bloomsburg Fairgrounds. Sponsored by Harry's You Pull It. This song, man. Little Tommy James and the Shondells. Man. It pulls on my heartstrings, man. I have some history with this song. Some good memories, let's put it that way. Welcome back to the Beer Geeks and WILK. Brought to you by Backyard Ale House. Yeah? Yeah. Did you know that? Backyard Ale House is a fantastic place for a fantastic beer. I, well, do. I, I, knew, I, I, I knew that. Uh, Linden Street in Scranton. Yeah, Linden Street in Scranton, man. Um, I uh, on Tuesdays I actually do a thing down there where I do four, uh, five for five, where I sit there and I pour beer for you, and you drink beer, and then we all have a good time and yuck it up and stuff e- like that. So extra money for the sweat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely get a little bit of sweat involved. But yeah, you should definitely stop down. Not just on Tuesdays, but well, come t- down t- and say hi. Tuesday's burger night down there, right? It's uh, wing night. Is it wing night? Yeah. And their I, wings, their burgers are 24-7 awesome. They only do wings on that night, so that's okay. the night you should actually go down and hang out, say hi to me, have some good beers, stuff like that. We've missed Billy. Backyard Billy hasn't been here for a little bit. Um, he is doing Billy things that Billy does during the summer. I think he's in New Zealand procuring hops. <laughs> he could be. He could be. But uh, yeah, definitely come down and check it out. Say hi next time you're in the area. Like I said, I'll, I'll pour you a beer and we'll yuck it up. Anyway, um, yeah, that was a good interview. Good beers. Um, like you said, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's something I actually like uh, talked about. I was talking to myself about it last night. So, I mean, I don't know. If that so makes it must, me crazy. must have been a good night, huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, about the uh, New Zealand one is uh, the crushability factor on the, the that ABV of a beer is very dangerous. Yeah. I mean, in a good way. And when he's talking about dry hopping it and hop canning it and, you know, all the wizardry that the brewers do to make this awesome it's beer science. for us. Yeah, yeah it's science. Um, you don't get the traditional American style dry hopped from the pellet where it's like overly bitter punches you in the face type of flavor. Like this is just smooth and you're sitting there going, Oh, like this is a session IPA. <laughs> no, 7% alcohol. I, I, I totally get it. I mean, in my, in my previous life, I was, um, a musician who dealt a lot with, um, with, um, synthesizers and stuff like that. And I'm an analog guy. Like I love analog music, analog sounds from an old school, whether it be an 808 or sequential circuits pro one or a Moog or whatever you want to call it. I'm all about the old school analog sound and it's a digital world now. So to live, sometimes you live in that world where you like, kind of like, you know that that's the best way things are, but, uh, Everybody else is like, oh, man, you're just, you know, you're just not, you know, living up to the times now, man. You got to get with it and be like, no, I'm not going to get with it because it's it's the difference between like it's when you deal with whole cone hops, you're going to deal with pellets. You're going to you're essentially reaching the same goal. 
Um, but the, it's the fringes. It's it's the it's the um, delicate edges that are lost. Do you know what yeah, I mean? That I've I've had this conversation. I think with you, uh, with other friends of ours that are in the beer industry, you know, or just beer lovers. There's so much going on in this world of craft beer. There's so much whale hunting and beer hoarding and all this other stuff that goes on within our community. That like the more bigger, better. Like, you know, you're chasing the dragon. You're never going to get the fix that you want. And the more that that happens, the more I've been going back towards traditional beers, well-made beers, just stuff that, like, you, you can sit there and you know the brewer did it well because if he didn't do it well, it would be screwed up. You know, some of these big flavors and hops and this, that, you can cover a lot of mistakes with what they do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we talked about it in on break. You know, it, 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 I like, I like a lot huge beers. I love me some barrel aziness. I love me some super dry yeah. hop till kingdom come craziness. But sometimes you don't even you want precision. Sometimes you want a bit more uh, sweetness to you. You know what I mean? You don't want it to be a two by four to the face. And, and while I, I enjoy me a two by four to the face, um, you know, it, it, something that has to be said for just well done, classically well done stuff. It's like kind of like the same thing. You can put any music, food, yeah. you know, you go to places, you go to these crazy food places. They make all kinds of kooky stuff. But if you just go to a place and they just make something everything well, like really traditionally well, they're not trying to pomp and circumstance stuff up, that gets me hot and bothered, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, I, I, I've had conversation with brewers, like at Brewfest and anything like that, whenever I get a chance to talk to them, you know, I'm going to talk for a while. But like a lot of times when you talk to these brewers and you ask them, like, what's your brewery? Like, what do you like? They go near... Nice. <laughs> they they always kind of go back. A lot of them go back to like Sierra Nevada. You know, like that seems to be like a brewery that's a brewer's brewery. You know, they're doing traditional style stuff, well made. Oh, straight yeah. across the board. Yeah. Right. And, and so like these guys that make the craziest things and you go, oh, what do you like to drink? Well, give me a Sierra Nevada pale ale. Give me their Keller Weiss. Give me their stout. You know, so it, it's it's kind of crazy. Like, you know, they they're one of the originators in the game, and they're still so well respected by everyone else. Oh, we just we just cracked into. You probably heard it on the air. Just open up their uh, their nugget stout, and uh, yeah, this is uh, this is the good stuff right here. You know what I mean? Nice. It's old school again, traditional style. You're getting a bitterness. Um, probably a little bit from the hop, a little bit from the roasted malt, but it has this really nice mouthfeel to it. We got a nice roasty toastiness with that subtle, subtle bitterness, and this is a, yeah, another yeah, I mean, crusher. Uh, you could crush this even though it's dark. I said you're just looking at nice roasts uh, on the nose, really fluffy head right now, and it's what you're looking for in a stout. Yeah, and, and it's old school traditional style stout. It's like uh, I, I'm not looking at the tag, but I think it's right around like six percent maybe or something like that. Five, five percent. Yeah, I mean five percent. This how it drinks for five percent. Yeah, I mean, if we if I need to like just take a, a more roasted, a little bit more bitter from a hops version of Guinness, yeah. like a little bit more body, a little bit more roast, that is like easy drinking, just five percent, you know, all winter long. For me, all year long, I don't really care. I'm not a seasoned drinker. <laughs> yeah, you know, stouts are all year. 
Yeah, no, I get you. I'm the same exact way. But yeah, it's definitely a cool place. I mean, a lot of people like it's semi local enough to where people can actually go down there. Do you know what I mean? It's actually a really cool trip. A lot of people in this area like to take uh, day trips down to Philly and stuff like that. If you were to actually go take the long route, I guess you would say, and actually go down to Easton. And then take 611, you can actually cut through New Hope, which is pretty awesome. I haven't been there a while, but I love me some New Hope and kind of continue down 611 along the river, pop into some vault brewing and then, and then head off Philly. It's actually a super cool trip. And like I said, it's it's an old bank, man. Who doesn't want to sit in an old bank and eat food and drink beer? Yeah, and honestly, it's probably an easier trip for us than it is for the people in Philly. Because the people in Philly have to deal with Philly traffic. We don't have to deal with that. You get, because they're 45 minutes outside. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, they deserve that because they're Philly people, you know? Yeah, they deserve true. the punishment. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm not trying to make whatever of uh, whatever. Anyway, so, yeah, I mean, uh, across the board, like, I'd re- I can't wait to try because I was going to say I would like to try. I'm going to try more stuff from them, obviously. Um, I would like to try stuff outside of this realm. You know what I mean? Like, getting, like, a little bit of a uh, kind of maybe, like, you like a Kolshi kind of lagery kind of thing going yeah. on and maybe even test well, he- some of their barrel-aged waters because I've heard good things about that stuff, even though I've never had of that, any of that stuff personally. Yeah, well, I mean, he, was, he touched on alt. Like, I mean, all beers are kind of a lost brand. Not many people are doing them, you know. Um, and I know when I was tapping some of this stuff in, you know, uh, he definitely has some crazier one-offs that you can see. Like, you know, stuff that they're definitely doing at the pub that's aged with this or firkined or... Yeah, they have, they, have, they have a one-off series called Trial and Error. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it goes through everything from, you know what I mean, from Dunkelweizens to fruit veggie beers to Gozas to, like, just kind of runs the gamut of all kinds of kooky madooky stuff. Do you know what I mean? So, like, to see a brewery that is doing well, makes beer like this, and actually it produces, like, unique and interesting stuff rather than just stick super close to their laurels. Which tends to happen a lot of times with, like, newer places. They kind of get a little bit of popularity, and they get a little bit of, I guess you would say, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, a little bit stars of... Stars in their eyes? Not even stars in their eyes. They more get, okay, people like these beers, so we need to make keep making these beers and just these beers so we can keep everybody happy. That's fine. I get that. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes you want to st- play a little bit close to the vest because you don't want to get too outside your comfort zone because you it is a business and you need to stay open. But at the same time, to see somebody that's constantly kind of throwing caution to the wind and be like, hey, let's try this uh, weird combination of this, that, and the other thing and uh, see if it sticks. And if it doesn't, hey, uh, you know, people will buy it. They might like it. They might not. But then they know we're going to keep pushing the envelope and keep going, you know what I mean, with crazy ideas that come in our heads. Yeah. I think that, you know, um, a good example of a, a brewery in that realm of stuck to their guns, what their style was, and then experimenting with more stuff would be um, Jack's Abbey. You know, like just lager-based beers when no one is really doing lager-based beers at that, you know, and, and they're always coming up with just crazy ideas. So yeah. It works. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's a very interesting Business model. I mean, they they definitely push the envelope on what what loggering is. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they're constantly like trying new and different things inside that realm. You know what I mean? So to even I don't want to say handicap yourself, but they actually like sit there and like put kind of like a governor on what you what you can do. Do you know what I mean? Brewing wise, and actually um, 
and try different stuff. It's kind of cool. And it's actually one of the questions I actually wanted to talk to Mark about. We just didn't have time to cover it. Is a, I'm really curious as to how, I know I keep gravitating back to this bank thing. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's like a weird personal obsession, but, uh, um, I'm really, uh, I was curious how, how, what uh, pros and cons there are to working in that environment. Like you said there, you know, they're behind four feet concrete walls. Now, when you're brewing, does, does that help you? Can you, do you maintain a more rigid temperature when you're fermenting or does it, or, or when you're brewing, does it get so hot in there you kind of mess everything up? Do you know what I mean? Like, what does that kind of environment lend itself to to being in, in a brewery and whatnot? So, well, I, I I think if they they're using that area for the aging process, you know, like getting it ready, like that would be a great lagering area because it's going to keep temperature. Yeah, you know, but if you're brewing behind that. Uh, yeah, it's definitely holding in all the heat behind four feet of concrete. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so uh, I don't know how their setup is. Definitely, um, just by trying their stuff, definitely want to go down and try it and see their place. And uh, it's definitely going to be a road trip for me. Road trips, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, so, yeah, man, let's do this. Let's talk a bit, little bit of future show. We'll go to the next two weeks. Um, next week, we are going to have Chris Steltz of Beer Geek Nation on. For those that don't know, Chris is from down Hershey Way. He's actually like a beer writer, reviewer, however you want to call it, of YouTube fame. Um, he's been doing it for many years. Making and he's, that internet monies. Yeah, making that internet money. YouTube scash, son. <laughs> and, uh, but he's also, he's uh, you know kind of investing in a brewery, so he's kind of expanding out and stuff like that. He'll be on next week. The following week, we'll have a brewery on that has taken the area pretty much by storm, which would be Single Cut Brewing, um, known for their IPAs, that yeah, oniony dankness, baby. Def- definitely looking forward to that one. Um, yeah. Actually, just enjoyed some of their, uh, does anyone remember laughter uh, last I cr- night? I crushed that beer for like two weeks straight, man. I was loving that beer. It was on Jack, draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack's Draft House, man. It's on tap right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it will be, uh, we'll be trying a couple different uh, couple different. Um, breweries and, and uh, beer folk and stuff like that over the next couple of weeks. So it should be some good shows. So, yeah, reach out to us. Uh, social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Beer Geek Radio, all that stuff. Reach out to us, ask us questions, and uh, let's connect and stuff yes. like that. Stalk us on Instagram. There you go. There you go. The Meat so, Smoke. The Meat Smoke. 451, <laughs> baby. So there you go. Another great show in the books. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to us yammer on about some pretty delicious beers from a semi, I would say semi-local brewery. I uh, consider anything on the eastern part of PA, you're local. I consider anything, um, I don't know, whatever I want to consider local, I just say local. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, yeah, Pittsburgh semi-local. You know what I mean? Because that's how <laughs> that, I that roll. That four and a half hour drive semi-local. Yeah, 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 because that is, you know, I, mean, I, I view Dry Lag, one of my favorite breweries, as local guys. So, yeah. you know. Well, I hope everyone's enjoying some morning drinking. No. Early afternoon drinking. It's early afternoon. Don't say morning. Come on Post now. Post-church drinking. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, like I said, reach out to us, guys. Uh, connect with us on social media and uh, talk to us, and uh, we'd love to engage. So, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hopefully you join us next week with uh, Chris Delson, Beer Geek Nation, and hopefully see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.